Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 at Peachtree podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I am uh, talking to Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops on a Monday night after the Atlanta Hawks 132-126 to the Houston Rockets in what should have been a very winnable game given that they uh, had a lead, a sizable lead deep into the second half. Uh, Glenn, what in the world is going on? The fourth quarter has not been good. I don't, I don't know if you've caught on to that, Kevin, but the, the fourth <laughs> quarter is not, is not good. I should say I, I don't think the issues tonight started in the fourth quarter. That, that's obviously when you watch a game that goes down the final possessions, kind of what you remember. But they had some pretty bad habits on defense throughout the game. And then they were – I want to talk about this a little bit later or, or whenever you, you're in charge or whenever you bring it up, I'll talk about it. But uh, also just kind of getting outplayed in a sense in the second half. If you just look at things like fast break points, I think it was second half was like 10 to nothing. I tweeted it, but I'm going from memory now. And second chance points in the second half was like uh, like 17 to 3 or – I don't – it was it was very all on one side of, of the column, both those categories – and, uh, you know, it wasn't a 14-point fourth on the Hawks' side. It was a 44-point fourth on the other side. But their defensive issues um, were, off, were, were present and not present in the first half. And then about halfway through the third quarter, I thought they felt like they kind of had the game in hand enough and just kind of stopped paying attention to the details of defense. And Houston just never stopped playing hard and, and putting up a three on every possession, it felt like. So it was just a mess. It was uh, this one was a mess. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many ways it went wrong. Uh, not to make excuses for the Hawks because this is not an excuse, but there's certainly a more even distribution of minutes on the Rockets. Uh, you know, they're kind of playing ten guys equal minutes as opposed to the Hawks, and, and you could, I mean it just felt like the Rockets played with their legs in the fourth quarter on the fast break, especially on offensive rebounding. You know, they were sending four to the offensive glass late and like the Hawks just had no answer for that. They were just getting bullied. Um, and that just felt like a physicality thing for whatever reason, they just didn't want to get into that scrap. It seemed like uh, Capella had a lot of rebounds in this game, but I mean, it just doesn't feel like he's, owning the glass like that you know 16 rebounds against the lineups that he was going against and the, and the number of misses it just I don't know it just felt like I guess you know, it's hard to say oh he only got 16 rebounds it just he I guess some of it's the way that he got the rebounds like there were a lot of times he would get the rebound on like second and third tip and it's like yeah he should just get well, it on the first one I mean I don't I don't know he just it doesn't look right to me but just the, as a team, team rebounding was terrible in the fourth quarter. They just had no answer yeah. for the the wave, the horde of offensive rebounders that was coming at them. Yeah, but, you know, oftentimes when there's an offensive rebound, when the other team gets an offensive rebound, the you've compromised yourself before it kind of gets to the point of needing to get the rebound. So, like, Capella and Collins were having to help on uh, ball handlers driving a lot, which gets them out of rebounding position. The Rockets were playing five out with Sengun and Wood, uh, Shingun and Wood, sorry, um, a lot in the second half and getting Collins and Capella out on the perimeter. The, for the second half, the Hawks were predominantly switching. 
for most of that half, trying to cut off the dribble drives as much as they could, and then just stay attached to shooters uh, somehow. You know, that didn't work out for them at all with Augustine and Gordon. But a lot of the things that put them into a compromised rebounding state were things that happened before the shot even goes up, in my opinion. And that to me, that the, the most correctable part there, I understand the switching. I understand the risk you take by getting Capella on the perimeter. I understand wanting to stay close to, to shooters. I understand how switching kind of helps you with dribble penetration when you don't have your normal frontline kind of point of attack defender. So I, I can get my head around, you know, all of that. To me, what's still missing is just the on-ball point of attack defense, not having individual defenders that can hold up there without switching, without the other things that they're doing that kind of gets them compromised from the way that they want to be structured uh, defensively and, and for the rebound. So they're having to probably get into some X's and O's stuff that they'd rather not get into in these situations because Hunter is not there because, you know, Reddish is, um, you know, Reddish played a, a pretty good load tonight, but he's really the only one uh, because Herter with the starters is really the only guy who has any hope of playing some decent on ball defense on the perimeter. And so, you know, there, there's layers of, you know, ways, areas where they get compromised that puts them in a bad rebounding position. No doubt the Rockets played hard and it looked like they played harder. They looked more active to your point. They looked kind of, kind of fresher. And I, I was going to, you know, ask you this question um, to kind of maybe poke at one possible angle here is, you know, Nate's been talking about the three C's. I'm not even sure I remember the calm, collected, and what's the third? I think it's connected. Connected. Con- connected. Calm, and then clear, and connected, I think. Calm, that sounds right. Um, he doesn't want him to get emotional. He wants him to be smart, and he wants right. him to communicate. And that's something he he talked about a lot down the stretch last year, especially in the playoffs, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Not all the time this year, but in uh, the last what week and a half, it feels like that's been coming up more from him. For sure, when when it's become obvious that the fourth quarter play is an issue, right? So if your coach is kind of preaching to you, stay calm, stay stay cool, you know all those sorts of things. Um, is there a risk while you try to kind of execute that to be a little less active and to be a little less? Um, uh, have a little less urgency while you're trying to kind of play under control. I mean, I think back to, to when I played um, and trying to, or and even times where I coach and you're looking at a team that will kind of go a million miles an hour, but they make a million mistakes in the process because they're going so fast. They're not under control. And then, you know, I'm coaching young people, so it's a different thing, but you try to kind of switch the focus to the other side where it's like, okay, let's play under control and eliminate mistakes. And then almost by, definition you're not going as hard you're not going as fast and then you come into a team against the rockets a game like a, a team against the rockets who's playing young have can just pursue every win because not really playing for anything you know big this year um and and so i, I don't what, I, what i'm suggesting is that is it possible that the issue isn't they're not playing hard enough they're not trying hard enough there's not enough effort but rather there's a flip side to playing calm and being cool under pressure, but it costs you something around the urgency uh, and, and the activity and things like that. Is that, is that possible? So. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, if anything, if you want to go to those three, I thought that early in the fourth quarter, they lost the clear um, because Nate's made his message clear in terms of what he wants on offense. And I've been the number one Gorgie 
number one Gorgie supporter. Uh, he had a positive impact on this game. He had a big impact on that Minnesota win. But, you know, early in the fourth, he took a terrible three. And, it, you know, it's not just that he missed it. It's, uh, you know, it was a bunch of things. One was that it was way too early. It wasn't like a transition thing where you were getting the a super quality early shot. It was like middle early in the shot clock, like 16 left, one pick and pop action. And he puts it up. He wasn't particularly open. There was a defender there. And he had Cam Reddish right next to him wide open. Right. And it's like, that's supposed to be a, you know, if you're playing clear like Nate wants, that's a pass to Reddish. And then what happens? Next possession down, Cam Reddish makes a nice crossover move, but it's the same situation. It's like 16 on the clock. He's kind of open because it was a hell of a move. It's not a good shot. It's not a good time to take that shot. You know, the other team's kind of making a run. It's early in the clock. You haven't really kind of, you know, the, the, the move itself was great, but he didn't get open enough that it was a high quality shot. It's just something that you want to leverage into a further shot. You know, you just, whether it's you wait till the defense comes back to you and then, you know, use that for some sort of give and go for, you know, for, uh, you know, a dribble drive, if you can keep the drive, uh, keep the, keep the live dribble, um, but it just – he didn't have leverage to get a great shot there even after a nice move. It was just kind of this hanky-janky jerky three, and it went off. And that was, you know, right after Jeng looked him off the play before, and it's like all, all the clear is gone. So, you know, defensively, I don't think it's – I don't think it's that they're not following Nate C's. I think defensively they're just missing bodies. I think, I think you know, Kevin Herter, God love him. He's, he's a good defender, but – you know, early in this game, Eric Gordon established himself as, you know, I'm going to be the most physical guy on the court tonight. I'm going to drive and I'm going to hit people. And when I hit them, they're going to bounce off me. And so when the, when the Hawks got to that switching in the fourth quarter, they were more than happy to do what they needed to do to get Gordon switched on to Herter and then go from there. And the Hawks were very willing to help. And once that happened, there were going to be a lot of defensive breakdowns behind it. And so... Uh, you know, I, I think for, for defense, I don't think it's necessarily lack of intensity. I think it's a lack of physicality just brought on by minutes and personnel and, and who they have left at this point. They have their smaller guys. They have their lighter guys. They don't have the big dogs in Solomon Hill and DeAndre Hunter. Uh, you know, they, they need that kind of a physical defender and they, they don't have it right now. And I, and I think that that would be a huge help. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I think you hit on the, kind of all the key points there. Yeah, I I just wonder. I'm not trying to perspective. I'm just, I just wonder if it is like, okay, guys, really the three C's. I'm not saying for the rest of the season you're sacrificing intensity or urgency like that. I just wonder if like while they're trying to apply that, there might be a two three games where there's. Least there's the things are swinging too far in the other direction. There's not as no, uh, enough activity and sense of urgency. Yeah, I, mean, I think if you put it all together, it, you know, he, he wants to create a system that kind of grinds on the opposition. And, and right. what they ended up getting because of the bad offense and because of the motivated, you know, very intentional play of the Rockets, they got ground on and they, they just kind of felt it in that fourth quarter that, that yeah. you know, the Rockets were, were taking it to them with multiple possessions, you know, mul you know, uh, multiple shot possessions and, uh, and and the Hawks, you know, they got some, uh, you know, Lou, Lou got some decent looks, but 
the early fourth quarter offense was really choppy and disjointed. And that I think that just gave Houston the momentum that they needed and they just didn't let go of it for the entire fourth, obviously. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Gorgie shot and the and the Cam shot, and, and th- those weren't the only two. But when um, you know things are snowballing like that, it, it seems like they're taking shots that not only are bad shots, not only are poorly prioritized shots from a shot clock standpoint. Who's getting the shot up, you know, that early in the shot clock, but it creates opportunities for the team to get run out transition. Uh, you know, it may it may end yeah. up being semi transition, but it's you know when you take a shot that your teammates aren't expecting you to take, <laughs> they're not quite as ready to kind of retreat on transition. When Trey attacks, takes a shot. When you know JC kind of gets the ball in the post and has a mismatch, and because all those normal things that they're used to seeing, you have this kind of internal clock that yep. gets you ready to kind of go Absolutely. back when you do something off plan, off script. That was a it throws everything of the off. team last season. That was right. like uh, something that they did very well. Like Trey's entire career, you know, the Hawks were really miserable in transition defense, and Nate had them playing so late into the clock that you know they knew when to get back. They knew when the shot was coming. You know, whether it was Trey or Gallo, they were very intentional, drawn out possessions that even if they weren't necessarily the best shot, you know, they had the added benefit of you made them play defense for a full shot clock. You knew when to get back to play transition defense. And, and, and you know, this what, what they were doing early in the fourth was the opposite of that. I mean, there was other stuff, too, like Cam missed the layup. Maybe it was a good shot. He just missed it. Collins, which happens sometimes. Yeah. And Collins got fouled and he got emotional about it. And hell, you know, he was right. He did get fouled. Right. But, you know, yeah. yeah and, and he's going to get extra emotional about it when he's getting, you know, when he's carrying four fouls. Yes. You know, early in the third quarter. I, and... I promise you that Shangun committed more fouls in this game than John Collins. <laughs> I swear on my, yeah. my, automobile. I'm not going to swear on anything larger than that, but I promise you that Shangun. Committed more violations of the NBA referee yes. handbook than John Collins did tonight, and yeah, and somehow he was they were not still penalized for it. Yeah, and somehow there were still like I don't know, there was like fifty fouls on both teams. Yeah, um, I mean, was, yeah. yeah. which which impacted the Hawks on defense? I mean, it, and you ask yourself why did it impact the more experienced team on defense? The the Rockets have a very fluid plan defensively. If I could just put it that way, you know uh, that when the game gets choppy like that, it's probably going to impact the Hawks. Now, should the Hawks overcome that? Yes. Should they kind of find a way? Sure. But they're down so many bodies that you know, you know, if a is there, they probably win this game. If Hunter's there, they probably win this game. If McDonough is there, they probably win this game. And just you know, just all all the positions. Um, you know, they're, they're down bodies that they actually need to kind of, kind of execute the plan. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch them try to weather this, but, you know, if, if you think about kind of the building blocks that they have for this year, um, there's, they came into this game, lowest in turnover frequency. They're still like a top five team shooting the ball from the three point line this year. Um, their defensive metrics are terrible, but they're missing their point of attack defenders. And, you know, hopefully in time like reddish spins all the way back up where he's giving you more of that throughout his whole time on the floor he was he was quite good defensively tonight um and some other stuff so the building blocks are still there nate has his team cutting down the turnovers trey is setting up teammates for open three-point shots um they're still you know a top five offense in the league they're missing their key defensive pieces. And so, you know, even this, no matter how frustrating this loss is, and it's super frustrating, probably the most frustrating loss of the season, 
all the basic components are still there. They just got to figure out how to keep their play more consistent in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. And they'll, they'll win plenty of games once they can, they can solve for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels a little bit like the Charlotte game in that you, know, you, you get that team that plays. Right now, based on the Hawks' health, you get that team that just wants to play five out with a bunch of 6'6 six, six yep. and 6'5 six, guys. And it's just they're, they're lining up their personnel towards the weak spot in your roster. And, you know, it irritates me that uh, I, was, I was very happy in the first, first quarter. I almost tweeted something about it because John Collins, you know, they, you get a switch. And, you know, they called a foul when somebody who was 6'5 was trying to guard Collins in the post. And it's like, hallelujah, because, you know, that, that, that's something that you need. Uh, because if, if you're going to let teams switch on that kind of action and just say, gosh, it's a small guy, we should let him get, a little, get away with a little bit more. Like, you, you lose a lot in that transaction at that point that uh, <laughs> the Hawks kind of lost later on in the game. But, but there, there's, there's a lot of leverage to be gained if, if you can get away with that kind of stuff because then, then, then the Hawks will go away from it, you know, and, and you lose your edge at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They, and to your point about Gordon, this was true when they played Brooklyn too. Harden was super physical, pushing Herder around. And the reality is, is that Herder should be defending mostly twos, sometimes ones, depending on kind of how the other point guard profiles. Right. Um, but he's not. I mean, Bogdanovich is a pretty physical defender, even as bad as he is kind of chasing guys out in space and things like that. Yeah, um, I'm not and, really, I'm not willing to, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's like Bogdanovich last season versus Bogdanovich this season. Like I'm not, I'm not counting on his return to be anything that helps the defense at this point. No, I, I'm just suggesting okay. that um, good teams like the Hawks want to be, and the Hawks are, you know, I think in 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 most examples, even right now, you have a guy like Herder who can will chase a Seth Curry over a million flare screens a game, who right. will you know top lock a guy who will kind of do all that sort of stuff. And then you have another defender who will take the really physical guys. Yep. And and, and you have multiple options there. And even Reddish is not a guy who's a physical defender. He's going to try to rip the ball away from the guy in front of him, like all the time, which is great. It's disruptive. It's defensive, but they are lacking solo. They're lacking Hunter. Who are their two physical, you know, bigger forwards that they use in, in that situation. And that really hurt them. I thought TLC did, as good a job as one could expect on KD. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. KD was getting a million <laughs> yeah. shots at the rim. He was fantastic. He was just making KD shots like he does, but yeah. they weren't, they were contested and they were challenged. Uh, Harden, if you look at it, I think he was like eight for 20 from the floor. So it wasn't like he was getting everything he wanted either. You know, in this game, I mean, Augustine and Gordon were just, uh, you know, mercurial hot down the fourth quarter. And Nate was doing everything he could. Like I said, he was switching to try to keep, to let, not let a single shooter become unaccounted for and keep a, a body on every shooter. So, you know, it's just it's one of those things. That, you know, Trey um, obviously needs to control things down the stretch, but that has to involve, to some degree, keeping other guys involved enough to you know, have some rhythm and be able to attack. You know, I put on Twitter after the game, I think they're asking too much of Kevin right now as the primary defender on ball on the defensive end and being the guy who's the only guy who could be the second side creator when the other team takes the ball out of Trey's hands. That, to me, that's just too much. And that yeah. speaks to their lack of depth, uh, you know, uh, on the wing. Hunter is great 
uh, you know, before he got hurt, had a scrimmage. He's a great second side creator, attacking the creases on the on the weak side um, and such. So you know, they're 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 banged up, and yeah. some games they can kind of manage through, and some games they can't. Tonight was one they 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 didn't. But I still want to emphasize, to, in my view, that's still not an excuse for losing this game. They're they're, they're um, talent gap between themselves and the Rockets should not have been uh, one that the Rockets could have closed with even the issues that they had. They just, um, there were too many possessions like, like Trey had, I think Trey spoke about it after the game where he had a couple of possessions on defense that were atrocious. And just one time he fell asleep and Augustine, I think it was Augustine cut. Yeah. To the back rim. cut. Yep. Back cut. He, yeah. There's another time he didn't box out and it led to one of the yep. off three months we're talking about. So, yep. Yeah, I, I thought if I if I kind of zoom out and look at the biggest issue I had with this game was anytime they got to about a 10 to 12 point lead, they relaxed on defense. And in this league, you just can't do that. If you want to consider yourself one of the top teams, you apply the principles all the time, regardless of situation. Another human being, so you have to have some tolerance for that not always being the case. But against a team like the Rockets, you know, as soon as you get a 12 point lead, you can't like stop, you know. Um, executing to your principles on defense is is it's going to catch up with you often enough and tonight. Yeah, and when I said what I said about Bogdanovich, uh, you know, not helping the defense, and and that Kevin Herter needs help on defense, I would still say, can you play Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich together on the per- perimeter? Absolutely, because they're going to be so good on offense. Like those lineups have been terrific. Right. Right. And you know, you're you're taking. Uh, you know, if you play those two together, you're putting the other team in a pinch and saying, okay, what are you going to do? And they're going to have to, you know, put more defenders on the floor. They're going to have to take the ball out of the basket more. And your defense is going to get better just from that because they're going to have to take offensive players off the floor. They're going to have to, uh, you know, walk the ball up the court more. So, uh, you know, Herter's a good enough defender that if you have gang, a gangbusters offense, which the Hawks literally can put on the floor, like they can just put lights out offense on the floor. Yeah. Uh, you, you get better defense from having Bogdanovich out there just because, uh, you know, you've taken the aggressive move of, of playing your cards and, and asking the other team to, to play what cards they have. And when they do that and they react, uh, they're going to change in such a way that you're going to be a better team. So uh, I'm not saying that Herder Bogdanovich can't play together. They absolutely can, but you want, you want to have options, and right now they don't have a lot of options for, for when teams uh, you know, want to play five out and, and you know, manipulate the switches to their advantage and get things like Herder on a bowling ball uh, ball handler or you know, there were situations where the, the Hawks tonight would switch uh, you know, bigs onto smalls and then the Rockets would go into an action where it was you know, Collins and Capella together trying to defend an action and it would get kind of choppy. Uh, so they, they, they were clever, you know, give, give, give credit to Silas. Uh, that's a, a well-coached team. But Shingun yeah. still pisses me off. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, apologies to our buddy Andrew Kelly. No, I'm not apologizing. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> Under no circumstances do you apologize to him. No, this okay. is directed at you, Andrew. Shingun, okay. there's literally goon in the name. <laughs> yeah there, there you go um, he's a great passer and and he's, i can't believe how strong he is like physically strong for a 19 yeah, year old but he's using it in in all sorts of of like i mean it's a, like here's one like there was a play where you know he set a screen and he rolls and uh you know whoever the ball handler was just kind of did their own thing and took an outside shot so he rolls and he's got collins 
And he's like literally driving Collins to the rim, but then halfway through, he like puts his forearm on Collins's neck and just keeps going. And it's like, it's impressive that a 19 year old is strong enough to do that. And then also halfway through, it was completely illegal, but right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, he's impressive, but yeah, yeah. 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 But he's, he's a, yeah. I, I, I'm rooting for the kid. I think it's great for the league to have big men who are skilled in the way that he is. And I know some people want to put him in that Jokic mold and, and stuff, but like calm down. Um, but I just saw so many, so many people saying he's like, he should have been a top five pick last year. And I'm like, the dude has so <laughs> far to go on defense. Like he got roasted 100% of the time on defense tonight, you know? Right. And yeah, he's young and he's a young big. So, you know, he, he may get there, but he, he has some serious limitations on it. So let's, let's calm down a little bit. Like I said, I'm rooting for him. I root for everybody. Unless someone just proves they're a terrible person, then I I might I, I might turn that off and often do kind of turn that off. But um, but yeah, let's let's kind of calm calm down there. I mean, Gordon was so good. Uh, Gordon was so so good uh, uh, tonight. Um, so you know, it wasn't like the Rockets weren't making plays. They were making plays in this game. But like I said, the Hawks still should have won. Um, yeah, and the, and the other thing to go back to is like when they get McDonald's back. When Clint has to help, for example, I remember breaking down games both during the Philly and the Bucks series last year, where he would pull in on the weak side and help rebound when Clint got pulled, you know, into a shot blocking kind of, uh, you know, situation where he wasn't there to rebound the ball. So, I mean, Hunter is a good weak side rebounder. So is Bogdanovich. And when you're playing who like Delon, Lou, and Reddish, or Lou, Kevin, and Rat, you know, you're you're basically playing three guards, and you just, you know, when Clint gets pulled out, um, you know, you're, you're missing that. So it, it all kind of adds up when you're playing shorthanded uh, in the way that they are. So I'm just like, I, I can't wait for Congo to get back. I'm probably most excited about him. I don't really know what to expect for Hunter when he gets back, just because how it's been, you know, oh, he's back. No, nope, he's down again. So I just want to, I'm not saying it's, it's going to stay that way. I'm just saying I want to, be cautious about <laughs> having a lot of excitement enthusiasm for you know what he's going to immediately bring but i i can't wait for Cogwood to get back and i think that's going to really kind of help fix a lot of a lot of the issues that they that they have going on uh right now and they're gonna they're gonna be better and they're still i think in good shape you know um so but tonight was a super frustrating loss for fans no doubt about that i hear you um, and I think it's uh, largely validated. I mean, depending on how you're expressing it, <laughs> there's uh, some over the top and excessive stuff out there. But the the general frustration and, and such, I, I think, is uh, is uh, worthy of just validating that that was a tough one for a Hawks fan to watch. I agree. All right. Are, am I missing anything here, or is that a good summation? Should should the Hawks be trading for any of these players? And by players, I mean Rockets. <laughs> I mean, if they could get if they could get Gordon, I think that would be impressive. But you know, there, I don't think there's any way you get him without sending out Gallo. And uh, I don't know who backs up John. And Gallo is an absolutely critical part of their rotation right now. And having a a guy who can shoot like he can to play the pick and pop with Trey, you know, who get, to give you that your own kind of five out dimension when he's playing with John give you a solid four out dimension when he's playing with Clint um, that's hard to replace. I, I don't like if you let's say hypothetically trade Gallo for Gordon 
is it easier to kind of go out and find a replacement for Gallo at that point, or is it harder to find a replacement for Gallo than it would be to bring in Gordon, assuming Gordon takes lose minutes, for example, or or what have you, you know? Yeah. It's, no, I yeah, I agree. I don't I don't know that the Gordon thing works. I would be interested in some of the fringe guys. I don't even think maybe fringe is even hard, like Jay Sean Tate, <laughs> DJ Augustine. Tate is a physical defender for sure. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah. And Augustine is a is a low turnover, take care of the ball, get keep you organized offensive player. Um we were I think we were joking in Slack earlier that he's pretty bad on defense, but in the his hypothetical, he'd be taking lose minutes. So I don't think that it gets worse there. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I still think that's kind of a kind of a thing. Like I it just seems like the bench units, I mean, first of all, I, I don't know. You can make your case for how things should be staggered and who should be playing with who. They shouldn't be all bench line, whatever. It's just apart from that, like, okay, Trace sits, you know, how do you run your offense at that point? Right. It just doesn't seem like they have a great plan for that at the moment. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And then when you have Lou and Gallo, both the you know, senior guys, where the legs are going to come and go, you're, you're kind of compounding the risk taking you're taking there, I think, in a way to, you know, because when when neither of them are making shots, the, the second unit is absolute straight toast on offense right now. You know, I mean, if they had to move on from Gallo, a guy that I that um, I, I find intriguing that is at a lower cost is Kelly Olenek. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, what his he's out with the knee injury right now, so I don't I don't know for sure, you know, how likely it is he gets all the way back to one hundred percent. But he's a pretty elite shot maker for the position, and I'd say. He's a smart defender. He kind of has some of the same profile as Gallo on defense. Doesn't move well, right? But he's super smart, knows where to be. Uh, he's a great communicator. I've long admired his work, uh, apart from some of the stuff, Delavadova-like stuff he's done at times in the past, um, yeah. which we have to kind of throw out there. But, you know, he's his price point would be like around 12 and a half. I don't have it right in front of me where Gallo's in that 20 range. Uh, now, now he's 12 and a half next year, too, where Gallo, I think, is just three guaranteed next year, I think. So that it'll be packed the books for next season. And so a, a move to get something better at the backup point guard position. And then if you if it has to be Gallo, which if, if there's an expensive guy, it, it, it kind of has to be. Is Olenek a way to kind of backfill some of what Gallo gives you? I don't think that's crazy, you know. Yeah, that's um, But then you got chemistry and locker room and things like that. But, you know, to, it does, it, it's increasingly feeling, not just because they lost tonight, it's increasingly feeling to me like they're going to have to make a move to kind of take that step to, to really be where they want to be this year. To, to me, it feels like that's something that's going to need to happen. Yeah, it just feels like they, they need some someone else who's comfortable with the ball in their hands. Yep. Like above, totally. above, you know, past the you know there's degrees of it but somebody you know more than reddish more than hunter you know so, someone maybe on the level of like how comfortable herder is with the ball in his hand like you know, you've got trey and you've got herder and you've got bogey um and you've got lou and delon and and you know delon's not giving you enough on offense right now lou's nope. not giving you enough on offense for what lou does on defense they just they just need some level of creation, uh, you know. I think that would have gone a long way tonight. I think that's what 
kind of got the snowball effect going For sure. in the fourth is that you just, it's just such a grind on offense. And so, you, you know, again, we, I criticize the quality of the shots, but you know, you kind of feel like part of it is that, uh, you don't feel as comfortable playing deeper into the shot clock when you yep. don't have that guy that you trust to, to create late. Yeah. And then also ideally it is a, a veteran established guy because let's, let's use an example that we hear on Twitter a lot. Like play Sharif. When Gorgie takes that sh- shot, Sharif's not going to go over there and tell him, no, that's not what we're doing, Gorgie. Right. As someone that has the established in the league, like from tonight, just example, Augustine, Augustine would steer him down and say, cut it out. You know, that's not when you get your that shot, you know. And, and in terms of that, the three C's that Nate's talking about, and I know that we all get a little bit tired of how like much Nate favors veterans and it kind of is, is a pretty low risk taker when it comes to that sort of stuff. That's right now, that's what they need. They need someone to run the team during that stretch of the game where they're kind of losing their footing. And then it's, uh, you know, against the Nets, I kind of put on Twitter, I thought Trey was trying to do it all himself because he was going up against Durant, you know, and it was kind of this MVP, you know, guy who wants to rise to MVP level, trying to kind of show he can hang with that MVP. And then, you know, tonight, if you look at the stats in the fourth quarter, Trey was the only one really making shots, you know, in the fourth quarter, but it was super choppy because of the foul trouble and, you know, and then and they, the teams can take the ball out of his hands. There were possessions where he just had right. to give it up. And, you know, it, it's, and that's you, what it looks you, like to you be need another creator because, you know, you mentioned it. Okay. They, they trapped Trey. So you swing the ball to Kev on the weak side and then, you know, teams are pretty good at making that first adjustment. And then it's the play after that. Okay. Kevin's a smart, he sees the defense, you know, it's in rotation. He might not have a play. He might have to get it somewhere, but when he gets it somewhere, then that third guy, you know, what happens then? And you just, there's not enough creation on the team. I, you know, I think you get that with bogey back. I, like I said, I would love those lineups. I think that's a great option when, when teams are trying to get the ball out of Trey's hand, you go roll with Trey bogey Kev and, and, and that's going to be gangbusters. But right now there's not that third guy that if Trey has to give it up because teams make that choice, the Hawks set it up so that Kev gets it defense reacts. Okay. Now what? And then there's just, there's nothing beyond that. And the best option is sometimes Trey can get it back open. And right. he, he's been good at that. Like he got a couple tonight when they did that. Uh, at least one, maybe I, I want to say a couple plays like that, but there was at least one in the fourth quarter where that happened. Yeah. Um, but there's just, you just need a third option there because defenses are good. And when, when, you know, when they're disciplined and they do what they're supposed to, you need one more option than what you've got. And I think Bogey's going to give them that, but until then it's, it's going to be a, a tough yeah. ride. Yeah. And, you know, but again, all those things are true and all those things have a compounding effect, all that sort of stuff. I still think for a game like this, stop taking your foot off the gas on defense when you get a 10, 12 point lead, just, just stop doing that. Keep executing. And I think it, it does, never gets back to single digits if they do if they do just that. The other option of fishing that here, like yeah, Rockets are young. Steven Silas is gonna be a good coach in this league. I mean, I was so <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But I'm just saying once he even gets some more oh, experience yeah. and then you give him kind of a, a more veteran, he's a legitimate, legitimately good coach. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just thrilled for him, you know, um, to have this opportunity. I know he's had a kind of near misses you know, the last few years kind of getting that shot and hopefully, um, you know, Houston will kind of keep in place for a long time, but um, just, you know, I I know I, when I watch the game, sometimes I just like feel happy, you know, to see a young coach like that 
have, get an opportunity to kind of you know get his team organized and things like that. So I just wanted to just say that I was, I was just thrilled to to. It wasn't the first time I watched this team, but it was the first time I've, I I dug into the level I do when I watched the Hawks game, you know, and to see and it just reinforced some of the things I'd seen and other and other viewings and stuff. But good on him, you know, for what he's you know getting getting his team to do uh, and such. So just always happy to see uh young coaches i'll say you know especially you know black coaches that don't get enough opportunity uh, in the league to to get that opportunity do well and and such so that was a enjoyable part of the game for me very good you like my chair i do i was wondering if you're okay when the lights went out (laughs) yeah are you in are you in nate's are you in nate's chair shh don't tell oh sorry okay but yeah there's well there's just not enough (laughs) Like the media room, there's TV. Does it feel hot? There's Does it feel hot, Kevin? Talking there. Hot? No. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat, damn it. That oh, was no. a joke about the Twitter conversations tonight after the game. So, anyway. Don't yeah. leave it there, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Gwen. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good night. You too.